Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Welcome back, everyone. This episode is due to drop on what is now Michigan's last day of mandated social distancing. Unless, of course, it has been extended again. I'm not sure I trust that we'll be ready for mass gatherings, but I hope that dentist offices can reopen for routine care. I've already had to reschedule my regular appointment once. Anyway, on the docket for today is Hesiod's Shield of Heracles. I am working from the H.G. Evelyn White translation, and if you find a free translation online, it is probably this one. It was published in 1914, so it's not new, but it's perfectly serviceable, and it is on any number of websites online. Now, I've been calling this Hesiod's Shield of Heracles, but most scholars believe that it was written by someone else in the style of Hesiod. Even the ancients weren't convinced that Hesiod is the author of this particular work. And given how frequently Hesiod mentions Heracles in the Theogony, you can see how a work about Heracles would be attributed to Hesiod. But if we're being technical, it probably isn't by him, even though it is frequently published as part of anthologies that include the Theogony and Works and Days. The poem is divided into three sections, and as with Works and Days and the Theogony episodes, I won't do a whole summary and then an analysis. Instead, I'll go over each section and discuss analytical points as I go. The Shield of Heracles begins by telling the story of Alcmena, the daughter of Electrion. Uh, She is a regular Helen of Troy in the looks department, but unlike Helen, she is faithful to her husband, Amphitryon, or at least she thinks she is. I mean, she's hot. And if there's one god who can't resist a hot woman, it's Zeus. In order to sleep with her, Zeus disguises himself as Amphitryon. Now, Amphitryon is off making amends because he killed um, Alcmena's father over some cattle. But she loves him anyway. And as soon as he is done making amends, he makes a beeline for her bedroom. So in one night, unbeknownst to her, Alcmena sleeps with both Zeus and and Amphitryon, and this is how she comes to be pregnant with twins by two different fathers. One is weaker, Iphicles, and the other, the son of Zeus, is terrible and strong, Heracles. This is the only mention of Iphicles in this poem, but his son Aeolus will be important later. The poet goes on to tell us that Heracles slew Cycnus, the son of Ares. Heracles finds Cycnus and Ares near one of Apollo's temples. They're drag racing, and Cycnus is excited by the prospect of killing Heracles and Iolus and taking their armor as his prize. But Apollo doesn't agree and lends his support to Heracles. Before fighting, Heracles and Iolus take a pause to talk about their family's history. Heracles talks about how different he is from his half-brother, Iolus's father, how Iphicles moved to the court of Eurystheus, and a brief mention of his own twelve labors, the myth that most of us are familiar with about Heracles. And Iolus nods politely and says that maybe Heracles should put on his armor so they can go and kill Cycnus. And Heracles, of course, agrees, adding that Iolus is a great charioteer and will be a big help in this battle. And that's the end of this section. One of the frustrating things with this poem is that it feels fragmentary. This could be for a few reasons. One, an expectation that the audience already knows the story. Two, this is just part of a larger work. Could also be that it is, in fact, fragmentary. But it could also be because the story of Heracles isn't really the purpose of this poem. 
if it were, it wouldn't just gloss over the 12 labors. And as we'll see after a short break, there's a reason this poem is called The Shield of Heracles and not something else. Before the break, we left Heracles and Iolus getting ready to fight Cycnus. In order to do so, Heracles needs to suit up. The next, description, the next section describes his armor, and more importantly, his shield. The description of the shield makes up the bulk of the poem. So this really and truly is a poem about the shield of Heracles rather than the person of Heracles. The poet spends a dozen or so lines on the armor. The leg greaves are bronze and a gift of Hephaestus, and the golden breastplate came from Athena and was a gift at the start of his twelve labors. His quiver is filled with deadly arrows, and his spear has a bronze point, and his helmet is made from adamant, the same metal that made up the sickle Kronos used to castrate Oranos. And then there is the shield. About 200 lines of this relatively short poem are dedicated to the description of the shield. It sparkles and shimmers. It's never been broken. It's made from ivory and electrum and gold and, yes, adamant. No wonder it's never been broken. The center of the shield bears the face of fear with eyes ablaze. And other figures on the shield include pursuit and flight and tumult and panic and slaughter and strife and uproar and fate. There are twelve snake heads that would clash their teeth when Heracles fought. And boars and lions glaring at each other and a scene of the aftermath of the two sides meeting. All of course described in bloody detail. And other battles are depicted, too, one of which includes Theseus and the centaurs. But there's more. Ares himself is depicted with fear and flight beside him. And Athena, too, and Zeus and Leto and Mount Olympus and the Muses. But there's more than just the battle scenes. There's a safe harbor filled with dolphins and a fisherman sitting on shore casting his net. But mostly it's battle scenes. There's Perseus just after he beheaded Medusa. He's shown still wearing Hermes sandals with Hades' helm. Um, And the two immortal Gorgons are chasing after him with fear over their heads. And there are battles with unnamed men, some defending their homes and some bent on destruction. Women are weeping and wailing and old men are praying to the gods to spare their families. The fates rule over all of these people and some are shown falling into Hades and even Tartarus and death watches over all. There's another scene depicting a city where the people celebrate. The farmers outside the city walls reap their harvest, their sports and hunting. And around the entire edge of the shield is ocean. The entire thing is something to behold. The description of the shield is both odd and interesting. In the Iliad, we see similar descriptions of armor and shields, so this is not an uncommon trope in ancient Greek literature. But there is so much on it that it's almost difficult to picture as a whole. If one scene is good, then a dozen scenes are better. Stories are touched on, such as the battle between Theseus and the centaurs, or the story of Perseus and Medusa. But the shield itself is more important than any of the stories depicted on it. We'll take one more break and finish this poem when we come back. After just 
describing the shield, the poet then finishes the story that led to the description. Aeolus is in the chariot, ready to drive into battle. Athena appears and tells Aeolus and Heracles that Zeus has given them the power to win and stripped Kiknos of his armor. But she warns them to keep an eye out for Ares when they do so. They can wound Ares, but they should not attempt to steal his horses or his armor. The fight between Kiknus, Ares, Heracles, and Aeolus is then described, and it goes as Athena stated. Heracles and Aeolus kill Kiknus, but they don't strip his armor immediately. They keep an eye on Ares, who is grief-stricken at the death of his son and comes roaring back into the fight. Heracles wounds him, then Athena steps in and tells Ares to step down. Ares understandably doesn't, but the battle then shifts to be between Athena and Ares. This allows Heracles and Aeolus to strip the armor of Kiknos. Everyone goes home and Kiknos is buried. As I said before, the poem is not about Heracles. It is about his shield. And yes, the fight between Kiknos and Heracles is described in much more detail than I have provided here, but it does not comprise as many lines as the description of the shield does. This fight is merely the framing device for the description of the shield. And this makes the shield of Heracles not the most exciting thing to read, but it is interesting in the context of Greek literature since it is dedicated to a vice that is a small part of much longer works. What are your thoughts on the shield, the fight, this poem? As always, the link to the blog post for this episode is in the show notes. On Monday, we have another play from Sophocles, the women of Trachis. I'll talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.